Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Focal Point podcast with Angela Marafino and Chantel Sims. In order to continue evolving as a forward-thinking industry that accepts others as they are, we need to hear more stories from diverse individuals regarding their struggles and successes throughout their careers in technology. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hi, my name is Angela Marafino. And I'm Chantel Sens. And this is Focal Point. Today we have Jessica Chang. Uh, hi, Jess. Thanks so much for coming. I'm Jess. I'm a behavioral engineer on the security and privacy engineering team at Robinhood. Um, and prior to joining Robinhood, I was a tech lead and a technical program manager for security culture um, at Dropbox um, as part of the security engineering team. Well, no. What did you do before that? What did I do before that? Before all of this, uh, you know, work within security and in tech, I was a professional musician for six years. Um, I also Whoa. studied at a few conservatories and it was a totally, totally different life. Um, I played the viola. Wait, hold on. Okay, just, you can't just like, you just like move gracefully over that. This is like my favorite, like her story is my favorite. So we met, we met in Denver Robin yeah, that's Hood was, was um, at a, like throwing an event at a place that I lived near, and I was like, I'm going to go check this out. The cybersecurity team um, is there, and I'm new to cyber, so I'm going to go listen. And, and they were doing some really great stuff. And Jessica, I'll let you talk about that a little bit later about what you were doing then because it's really sure. cool. But but um, we ended up talking, and, and we were kind of like, we seem like we're on the same page, and we're talking about our backgrounds, and we both – realized that we came from more artistic liberal arts backgrounds. Obviously hers is amazing. Um, and I was yeah. just as blown away as you. So <laughs> just yeah. can, can you kind of explain for Chantel, like how you ended up making that decision to move from uh, music to tech? Yeah, sure. I think, um, by the way, Chantel, I think it was much more um, me cornering Angela and being like, tell me about your life. Like, tell me about all the things you do. And, you know, how did you this get to where you are? Um, the, the, yeah, the, the event was like not even the focus. I think I walked away thinking like, wow, I've really met someone who is so inspiring and just really blown away. <laughs> Sounds like Angela. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's an accurate description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so I think, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up thinking I knew anything about security or, you know, nobody knows what a technical program manager does. And uh, I went to college thinking I wanted to be um, an elementary school principal. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I can't imagine, uh, you know, finding a job that would be further away from that. Um, I went to college, you know, ended up playing the viola quite a bit, which I'd been playing in high school and found that I had a real passion for um, playing chamber music, which is, you know, playing in small groups with other people. Um, and I also loved teaching. And these were two totally new avenues for me. Ended up kind of finding my way to a conservatory after college because I felt like music wasn't something I could easily go back to. You know, you can go work in another field, but with music, it's something that you have to just devote so much time and attention to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you don't just turn 40 and think I'm going to go be a professional musician. Like, 
that's something that takes a lot of uh, nurturing Dang. all along. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, ended up spending about six years, um, studied at a few wonderful music schools that really celebrate learning by doing. Um, you know, it's, it's a very hands-on and collaborative approach where they kind of throw you in the deep end. You know, you play with these great teachers and masters of, of your craft and um, really just learn by performing quite a bit, by practicing, by le learning, you know, different repertoire. And I think the coolest thing about music and studying it deeply and, you know, being a professional musician is you learn all these core skills that translate, you know, and I, I would think the same is true of any artistic or liberal arts discipline. Um, it's very multidisciplinary. You know, you're looking at one, one lens, but really many fields. So for music, you know, you get in, a lens into to math, into history, into like language. Musicians are very focused on understanding and analyzing patterns. Right, you have to understand visual patterns, aural patterns. Think about how structure works in, in musical compositions, and then actually like bring it to life with your artistic capabilities. Musicians and other artists and folks in liberal arts backgrounds, you learn how to to teach, right, and to explain and help others uh, learn and build habits. You work under really tight deadlines with t with groups of people. Sometimes people you've just met um, toward public performances and projects. And I loved being a musician for all of these reasons and more, you know, it was something that I was really curious about and felt like I'd really found my calling in. Musicians are super goal oriented. What didn't go well? You know, very critical question. And then you try to figure out how to build the mindset so that when you're actually performing, you don't, you know, hit yourself with all these comments and you really focus on having a positive mindset that gets you through a performance. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And after a few years within music, I realized like, I love this and I want to do this <laughs> until I die. You know, when I'm like a hundred years old, I want to be teaching and playing viola and that's great. You know, what else do I want to do? You know, and what could I be doing at the same time? Like being a musician doesn't mean you have to be only doing that. You could be doing a bunch of other stuff and like contribute to many communities that way. And I kind of took a step back and did a little bit of soul searching. I had been playing with a great group and told them I kind of wanted to figure out what else I would be doing in my life to balance myself out and what else I could be contributing toward. I um, spent a summer interviewing different people who worked in different fields to understand, you know, what, do you, what does it really mean, you know, if you're a paralegal, what do you, what do you spend your day doing? If you're a software engineer, how, how do you spend your time? How did you get to be a software engineer? Do you like being a software engineer? You know, um, what advice do you have for me as someone who is a musician, but actively looking to transition into something different? And it was part of this summer long kind of personal project where I wanted to broaden my horizons, understand what the world looked like, understand these various careers and figure out where I could contribute, you know, how I could take my energy and apply it to something good um, and continue growing in that path. And I wound up at, at Dropbox. You know, I, I had a bunch of very interesting, like, career offers. I, think I, <laughs> I had a, a really neat offer to work for a, an eyeglasses company. You know, someone else wanted to hire me as an office manager. Um, I got an offer in sales, you know, and I was like, are these the paths that I want to pursue? And I was really mm. conflicted. I thought I wanted to, like, go work at a public museum in New York. I was really enamored with places like the Guggenheim or the Met and, you know, thought I really wanted to work within their education departments. Um, but somehow landed at Dropbox on the recruiting team instead, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I like don't think I could have landed in a better spot because it was the kindest team. It was a great way to learn about how a company chooses to work toward its roadmap, 
How do you build teams that actually reflect the goals that you want to achieve on your roadmap? How do people communicate really well? How do people get things done? And a recruiting team has to be so capable of that while also really being champions of what that company's culture is and showing um, that to potential people who may want to work there. So I was at Dropbox and the recruiting team and ended up, this is going to sound totally ridiculous, but I was uh, working with a hiring manager who was looking to fill a role for a program manager on a then called trust and security team. You know, we kind of went back and forth on candidates and we were discussing the role, you know, it went on for a few weeks and we weren't really finding anyone that um, he was interested in. And I went to sleep one night and I thought, <laughs> wait a second, I am really interested in doing some of these things. You know, the, the role description is exciting. I helped write it with the hiring manager, the things he's looking for, like I could potentially do those things. And it took a moment of just being like a little bit bold and a little bit like, you know, asking him, you know, I know we've been working on this role together and I realize I'm interested. Would you possibly be willing to chat with me about the role? And if not, it's totally okay. I will continue being your recruiter. I won't be offended. But if you're potentially interested, I would, you know, be happy to find another recruiter to take over the role so I could go through it fairly as a candidate. And that's how I kind of, you know, landed within security. So all of this was just like a random, you know, <laughs> wow, totally secure this path. And I've been really, um, you know, kind of grateful for how, how windy and unpredictable the whole course has been. Yeah, that's very unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have predicted that at all. It's amazing. I really, I really love your journey. You know, nobody goes and talks to elementary school kids and says, hey, guess what? I'm a technical program manager. This is what that means. But I feel like it's a role that's really captured all the things I really love doing and the way I naturally work. So I feel very fortunate to have found that job. I think my mom is actually still surprised that, you know, I can be employed doing these collections of things. Right. Yeah. The parents are always <laughs> like, I don't know how you, how you got here, but we're happy for you. Yeah. yeah. The question of, so what do you do exactly? You know, <laughs> every, time. every time. And then, and then if yeah. I try to show them, it's like, my job's nowhere, like, it's different than yours, of course, all three of us are different, but I try to show them, and they're just like, and then I realize that it looks like I don't do anything. I'm, like, <laughs> scheduling meetings and checking my email, and they're like, are you just talking to people? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to explain really the concept of Slack to my mom, and she's like, so you just chat with people? Yeah, mm -hmm. basically. It's like, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically what I heard, if, if I w didn't already know you, was that your background doesn't necessarily determine your future. There's lots of opportunity in cybersecurity and tech in general for everyone. And some more liberal arts or creative backgrounds can, those skills that you learn can lend themselves to a more technical role. Um, and I think you pointed out some of the benefits of right being able to like be super um, goal oriented in your music. And that obviously shows in your work. You still have the, <laughs> you still have that job. So it's obviously worked out. <laughs> I mean, one other thing too, to remember, right. is like, if we only hire people from these same backgrounds, how can we actually ensure that we're building, you know, products and platforms that are reflective of the broader communities we live within, right? Like diversity of thought and opinion and perspective are the only ways that we can build these tools that actually help us interact with the service. And the more opportunities we see or like the different types of threats or risks we might identify, it's going to be different depending on what lens we have. 
Yeah. And you honestly, you hit the nail on the head with that one, because that's the piece that a lot of recruiters miss, especially when trying to, you know, recruit entry level people and things of that sort or people from different backgrounds. Right. It's definitely a piece that's missed, which I don't always understand why it's missed, at least from a, a privacy and security perspective. I think it's often missed, not because someone is intentionally missing it, but because it's 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 extra time, right? It's changing the way that we we interview, changing and thinking about like, does this process um, have any biases that are built in? You know, even with how yeah. we screen people, right? Like, am I looking for certain things that may be harder for you know certain groups of people to achieve? Is this pre work, for example, for an interview? Does it bias against people who might not have as much free time? to do, you know, X pre-work and bring it to the interview, that kind of right. stuff. And so it takes yes. extra questioning and often like, you know, groups or an individual to really champion that um, as part of the recruiting process. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, when you were hired with Dropbox, was that also in California? That was in California. I was living in New York at the time. And I remember thinking, I really want to stay in New York, but I, I actually <laughs> feel really fortunate to have been plucked back to, you know, warmer climate. <laughs> How was your experience there? And I guess your current experience as a woman, obviously there's quite a few women working in Silicon Valley at this point, but I know not everybody's stories are the same. Have you felt included and heard or has it not always been the case? I think within recruiting, you know, within each, each team, I feel like that dynamic can vary quite a bit, even if you're at a larger company. Mm-hmm. I think it's so wonderful that, you know, a lot of companies have great employer resource groups. Like I felt that way at Robinhood. And have felt that way at Dropbox, you know, really having an inclusive community of of women to champion each other and find neat opportunities. Within security, I feel like it's a little bit different, which I think many of us have seen and experienced firsthand. You know, I'm someone who gets excited when I see a line for the women's restroom at a conference. I'm like, yes, you know, I cheer to myself <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but one of the first security conferences I, I, I went to was RSA. And, you know, no one told me when I um, transitioned into this program manager role no one said, oh, be careful, you know, there aren't that many women in this field. Like, I didn't know this stuff, which was actually great. Um, didn't really consider, you know, that there could be, you know, a, a ratio that was not really in, in anyone's favor. Um, but my strongest memory walking into, you know, this first RSA, in addition to just how ridiculous and huge the whole, um, you know, thing was. But I went to do a talk. I actually don't even remember which one it was. But I was so excited. I, you know, walked t- straight toward the front. And then I realized I was being like looked at, you know, simply because it happened to be a talk with very few people who look like me. And that was the first instant I realized, like, do I belong here? You know, did I go somewhere I wasn't supposed to? Like, was I supposed to wear a suit? You know, I, I didn't obviously <laughs> do any of those things. But I think instead of feeling really discouraged, I think I've really loved, you know, probably same with both of you, just finding an incredible number of people who really care about building a community we're proud of. So constantly working to to change that in in small and big ways. Totally agree. Yeah, we're getting there slowly but surely. Yes. (laughs) I'm happy you have had a good experience. I know it's not like that for everyone. Yeah, I I think it's, it's kind of hidden, you know, like sometimes you think, oh, you know, this is great. Like, there's uh, five other women on my team, and, and, and we're doing awesome, right? But you realize, like, there's still so much of a way to go. Right. And we can go as deep into this issue as we're comfortable and able to. One thing I realized in, in performance reviews, right, for example, something we're like all so familiar with, whether good or bad, 
we, we all have to make sure we're not using words that are like overly gendered. And we hear about this, but when it happens to you, for example, you know, it, it becomes like a more real thing. For yeah. example, like the, the nuances with describing someone as a great communicator or versus like chatty or gossipy, you know, it's like, would you really use that word to describe, you know, all types of people like maybe or maybe not. So I think that that kind of stuff is really important, right? Like also ensuring everyone receives constructive feedback on mm -hmm. performance reviews really equally. Like there's so many studies and papers that show that men frequently receive more constructive feedback than women, mm -hmm. right? So these kinds of things are all small, but really hugely important. Right. I wanted to ask, and if you're not comfortable answering this, that's totally fine. But being an Asian American woman, and I don't know what your background is, so correct me if I'm just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know your family history, but if you want to share, that's great. If not, that's fine. Sure. In America right now, how are you handling that? I mean, you're in a big city. I know there's a lot of things going on in New York and, and other, a lot of other places here. So to be honest, I think it's been a really terrifying time, you know, for, for good reason. But I think the, the important thing for as Asian Americans to remember is for us to be an active part of that dialogue on race and diversity right? Like a lot of these biases are, are super ingrained in history, right? With, with policies, I think there's been a lot more articles recently discussing things like the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, Immigration Act of 1924, and just all these various policies that have pitted groups against one another, right? And then you see stereotypes reinforced through popular culture and media. Yeah. Um, the Asian American population in the U.S. I think is estimated to be about 20 million. So it's actually relatively small. It's only about 5.6% like of the you know, U.S. population. I think for me personally, uh, I was born in the U.S. to parents who immigrated from Taiwan and grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, which, you know, luckily is, is incredibly diverse. Like I grew up in uh, an area where many of my friends were also children of immigrants. And so that's, that's an area where you can be equally excited by things like soybean milk and stuffed rice rolls <laughs> as you are about yeah. like Fruit Loops, you know, which is like, if you're a kid, that stuff is just awesome. Um, yep. <laughs> so I only had to like occasionally, you know, defend or explain my lunches and deal with some eye rolls. It was much later, more in the workplace and in, in graduate school where I began to understand how to identify patterns of racist comments and, and stereotypes and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people asking like, where you're really from, which is a question that you know, you'd be, you'd be blown away by how often that question comes Yikes. or people telling you like, oh, your English is excellent. You know, where did you learn it? And you're like, I was born here, you know, and they're like, no, where are you really from? You know, this kind of stuff just, it happens all the time. And yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it's not people always trying to be like mean or to be rude. They just don't know how to ask. And we don't have an environment where we're comfortable talking about it. So I think it takes you know, everyone to, to realize like, this is a dialogue and it takes both both parties and multiple parties to to, to have that and to have a, a, a dialogue where we can figure out how to, you know, make sure everyone belongs. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think in the workplace too, being Asian is something that I have actually, my, my identity as an Asian American woman is something I've understood more and more, right? If you think about the Asian community, it's it's one that's kind of known for being quiet, like heads down traditionally, right? Hardworking, not wanting to be mm -hmm. disruptive. Like all these stereotypes could actually be applied to how I grew up, but it also leads the population to be historically pretty quiet about abuse or comments or this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good I, point. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like we have to kind of create environments 
where we don't feel like we have to cover for any part of ourselves or like minimize parts of ourselves just to fit in. Right. Yeah. And we have a lot of training, obviously, as you can imagine at, at work, but I'm sure you both do too. And one of the recent ones I did was on covering specifically. And I'm going to read this book by the guy, I don't remember his name, um, who gave the talk, but it's like, it's really interesting once you start thinking about it and you look at yourself and you're like, how frequently do I do it and not even think about it? Or how frequently are other people doing it and you don't even notice, you know? Right. I feel like I actually learned about covering fairly recently as well. And when I was doing a, a you know deeper reading, realized this happens all the time, you know, not just because you identify with one group or another, it's like all groups do it to some regard yeah. in order to, to fit in, right? Minimizing parts of ourselves. And like, how do we actually work to create an environment where no one has to cover? What does that yeah. look like? I'm not yeah. sure we know the answer yet. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was talking to someone about this recently, about some of the covering, I guess, that Black people do in the workplace, uh, especially more so in corporate America, like with code switching. I've I've been pretty good about not code switching anymore. This really is just like my normal voice. <laughs> so code switching, uh, our hair, things of that sort. Covering is it's hard. It's really yeah. hard to find the balance. It is hard, we- and you don't often realize that you know that you yourself are are doing that. Like, you know, not to like hit on performance reviews, but actually through a performance review is one of the times I realized like. I have to, you know, kind of step out of my, the the ways I've been raised too, in some ways, like, you know, as a kid, I was really taught to not challenge authority or to disagree openly, right? And this is such a classic stereotype. Um, Culturally, it would have been seen as like super impolite or rude. But, you know, I was a kid who had really strong opinions and was labeled as bossy and stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) But in the workplace, you know, I I got, um, I got feedback at some point on a perf review that I needed to, you know, make sure my viewpoint was heard, especially when I had a differing opinion. And I realized that as a person, you know, growing up, and, and even now, I have a hard time saying things like, I disagree because it actively goes against the cultural practices I've lived with my whole life, right? Not just in the workplace, but in my personal life too, right? I really had to like make habits uh, and unlearn these things and and learn how to say things like, I disagree and use it to channel positive dialogue. Yeah. Oh my God. Teach me all your ways, please. (laughs) I I I love that. Yeah. I like really struggle with that. I don't, I don't even think I'm in a place yet where I can say I disagree and make it more positive. I think I still struggle with it in part because of like the angry black woman stereotype. So I'm, I'm still trying to find my way as well. But yeah, please teach me your ways. <laughs> I am constantly working on it so we can work on it together. <laughs> it's such an interesting cultural thing, right? Like I have a German colleague who is awesome and she's just a total badass. And I, have to I've been having to like mimic some of the work she's done in the past in my role so it's just it's a different product but I'm trying to follow mm-hmm. in her footsteps so I've gotten to be in more meetings with her and she has no problem just speaking up and saying what do you mean or that's not right or I already know this like don't don't repeat you know stuff like I'm from fully capable of x y or z and I obviously have been doing it's just so awesome to have someone who, who frequently is just like speaking up for themselves and speaking their mind without holding back or, or necessarily worrying about what someone's going to think of them. She's more senior than me. So like that too, I think has something to do with it is I, I probably like wouldn't feel comfortable saying 
no, I, I understand this already. Like, what's the main point here? I'm just, like, cutting to the chase, not wasting time, which is something that we all, like, have to work on. But it's, like, how do you not... How do you not waste time in meetings without saying, hey, how are you doing? Or like, you know, we try, like yeah. we always do that. Yeah, it's, it's but, constant balance, right? Like yeah. knowing how to ask clarifying questions and how to participate actively and share your opinion without, you know, feeding other stereotypes or being worried that you're going to feed those stereotypes. It's, it's so hard to meet all these things at the same time. I don't know. One thing I try to do is like have one habit that I'm working on. Maybe it's like a day where I'm going to designate that habit as being like, I'm, I'm going to participate uh, by offering clarifying comments in every meeting that I'm part of, right? And deliberately saying, I'm going to do that today. And really asking myself at the end of the day, did I do that? How did it go? You know, what didn't go well? What went well? Um, like and that's, that. Um, and that way it's not also overwhelming. Like, because you can't yeah. possibly work on all these things at once while also trying to do your job. Like it just kind of leads you down this rabbit hole of like questioning everything in life. Like I tell my, oh my students God, to do this is. when they practice too, you know, like when they're practicing, it's like, you can only work on one of these dimensions at a time. You'll be able to combine them after you fine tune them. Right. But otherwise they get overwhelmed because it's like, I'm worrying about my intonation and my tone and my bow control and all this stuff. And it's like, no, one thing at a time, help your brain help you. This is the interview we needed right here. <laughs> you heard it right here, people. This is what I needed to hear. I like that. Yes, yeah, just because I get really anxious uh, personally just thinking about like, how does my hair look? How do I sound? Um, what is their initial bias? Because bias exists and so forth. But just like taking it on as just like bite sized habits uh, for a day, that's, yeah, it's just. It's more realistic. I like that. Do yeah. think it's easier now that um, some things are like, we're obviously all three working remotely, but it, it like when you don't necessarily have to be on camera or even if you do, it's kind of less nerve wracking for me personally anyway, than like having to get dressed and go to the office, worry about what I'm wearing is like uh, my pants are my pants tucked into my sock or like whatever, you know, <laughs> it's, totally. like, it's okay if it is, it doesn't matter. My pants are on backwards. It doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe people are just like more willing to be themselves over the computer. So maybe that's helped. And then some of that will roll over onto when we do actually go back. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, there's also chat as a forum, right? Like in uh, especially larger meetings um, that are all conducted remotely, like folks who might not be as comfortable unmuting or speaking up or having the ability to to do that immediately, like they can participate in the chat and really help channel the conversation that way too. So I kind of like that there's two mediums right now, you know, in this yeah. kind of remote work environment where people can participate and Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Do you, do you want to share any of your work-life balance uh, tips now that you're a new mom? And congratulations again, by the way. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Or is it totally out of control and you're just like... <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I think the thing, like I had a lot of preconceived notions about like parenthood and you know I tried to do all my prep as I was telling both of you you know I did a lot of reading talked to other parents you know I was like I'm going to come back and you know feel like totally refreshed and now I realize like those are all myths like you <laughs> the idea of coming back refreshed is like really especially hilarious to me but I think like it is exactly that right it's juggling all these things kind of at the same time it's juggling um priorities, but it's also juggling identities. And I think that's the part that I've, I'm, I'm learning about right now. Um, in terms of priorities, I've realized like whatever I'm doing at that moment has to be my priority. You know, as a mom, I've 
kind of looked around sometimes and I realized there are five things all in progress. I can see all of them. None of them are done and it is totally chaotic, but whatever I'm doing at that right one moment just has to be the thing I do. At the end of the day, you know, my, my child like has to be the most important thing because she is a living human being that I'm caring for and like <laughs> helping her grow. And then I think in terms of identities, right? Like that is such a interesting thing because we realize that like, I, I guess I've realized maybe for myself that I'm just a combination of these identities. You know, I have an identity as a behavioral engineer and as a TPM and someone within, you know, the security and privacy industry, um, a space I, I really love. I have an identity as a mom. I have one as a musician and as a teacher. And I'm always putting on different hats and um, kind of exchanging them. But there are threads that connect them, right? They're not distinct things that I, I can just like toss away. I'm always kind of like understanding how they connect. Right. Even in terms of like habit formation, we we're talking about how we could potentially run or be part of meetings or, you know, wear different hats at work and develop these habits that way. But that's also how I think about teaching my students. So it, it really okay. kind of like feeds one another. So we need you to give a TED talk um, <laughs> because everything you're saying is amazing and just just fireworks for me. Oh my I'm God. constantly yeah. working on it. <laughs> Yes. It's all a work in progress, pretty much forever. <laughs> I love it so much. We have the best guests on this show. We're always just I like, know, right? <laughs> just <laughs> One, in awe of everybody. The, the last example I was going to give about work life balance. So um, I did my grad school at Juilliard and um, loved getting to study with these amazing musicians there. And they're all kind of like real life heroes to me because you grow up your whole life listening to recordings by, you know, these teachers and you get to study with them. And it's just like, the whole, you know, your whole little world has exploded um, with awesomeness. And one of my teachers at Juilliard, we're having this studio class. And basically what happens in a studio class is everyone gets up and performs for one another. You get a lot of peer feedback. You know, you have a chance as a musician to kind of like workshop what you're doing and, you know, get the jitters while also improving your performance. Because by the time you actually give your performance, you know, you've played it many times for others and you have that experience some of my my classmates and I were lamenting like not having enough time to do something. And one of the teachers just stood up, you know, she's this incredibly kind woman who is also just a real life superhero to us. And she very matter of factly replied, you know, when I don't have enough time, I wake up earlier, you know, and it was just like quiet after that. Like, <laughs> you know, it stuck with me because like, if your real life hero can do that, and that is a solution, like, that is the solution. You know, you make time for yourself because you you need to do so. <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Such a good response. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is. Teachers, just, just honesty. It. You know, someone yeah. like someone being a real person and just being honest with you. And you remember that they're juggling all their own stuff too, right? A career, family, kids, like all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Tanya Jenka, she's huge in the AbSec world and just in general and amazing. Hey, Tanya, shout out. Woo-hoo. We were talking about something and, I, you know, we both just kind of like, how do you, to each other, how do you have time to do these things? And, and she's like, you know, some people make time to like go to the gym and <laughs> watch TV. And it's like, we make time to do other things. It's like to do all these talks, to do the community building stuff to, for her to run her own company. And she's passionate about gardening. And so she makes time to do that. And she's like, I can either like go to the gym or I can do home repairs. And so (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's valid. Because I'm recently a new homeowner and I was like, I hear you and everything is (laughs) physically demanding. It's great. I feel like part of it is also like that, stuff you know whatever that collection of stuff right in quotes that you're dealing with 
it kind of feeds one another, right? Like, for example, like if I have music performance projects, I'm super excited about them. I'll figure out how to study for those things. And then, you know, I'll take a week off and go perform somewhere. And it's really exhausting because you have to be so on, you have to be so prepared. And like, that is my identity. I'm a musician. But when I come back to work, I'm always so much more fulfilled. You know, I always like find that I'm working faster. I'm like communicating better. At least I think I am. And I feel physically tired, but mentally really awesome. Like (laughs) one of the things I, I recently did with our, we have an infant and, you know, I had like about 30 minutes when she was napping. And, you know, I was looking around our house and thinking like, what could I do? You know, there's a pandemic. I have 30 minutes. Do I want to take a nap or do I want to do something else? And we have these garden beds outside that are like totally decrepit and like full of termites, you know, which I decided it's not worth it to rebuild it. But I went out and restained them. You know, I did four coats of restaining the garden beds and they came in and I've been really happy, <laughs> you know, about, about the fact that they look awesome now. And I use that 30 minutes to do that instead of taking a nap. So maybe I need a nap now. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah. napping is so great, but also being productive and getting things done is infinitely more great. Because you're like, wow, I accomplished the thing. Totally. And something is off my list. Yeah. Oh, the list. Oh God, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the the ever growing list. I mean, I guess with all that being said, have you found yourself being burnt out at any point in time or having to learn to not get burnt out as quickly? Or I don't know, like, what is that like, especially since you're a parent now? Totally. I think in the workplace, especially this is, you know, it's easy to get carried away with projects, you know, and say, I'll get up, especially now working remotely to say, I'll get up early or, you know, let's do it at like seven or stay up later to finish something up. Um, I've definitely experienced burnout and it's it's hard I think to even admit you know that you have been burnt out at various points um I think for me I had to really learn how to say no to stuff at work uh if it was something that I shouldn't be working on or something that I didn't have time for if I knew I couldn't do it well right like I should definitely have a conversation with my manager and say like hey you know I've been asked to work on this thing should I be working on it or is there someone who could you know kind of take this project to the next step in, in a better position than I could Right. And like being upfront about that really helps versus like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll take it on. Sure, I'll take it on. I've helped others with my team on for for burnout as well. You know, if someone seems to be taking on a lot of work, you know, trying to identify like, should they be taking on this much work? Is there some place that could better go? Are we prioritizing like effectively? You know, what does that look like? I think for me personally, there was a time I got burnt out and I decided to take a little bit of time off. I took off like, I think, two weeks of time. And I've never been exci- that excited to take off time before. And I knew I wanted to get, you know, some things done, but I also wanted like rest and relaxation. Um, I wanted to like explore a little bit and I wanted to be able to reconnect with people. So I went on a little personal project because I'm totally insane. And I took out like five different pieces of colored paper, you know, and for each, each color was a category. One was like, rest and relaxation, personal things I want to do to, you know, pamper myself and and get some sleep. And another list was like, all the stuff I want to do that I have been putting off for a long time. There was another category that was like, people I want to see and talk to, you know, so on and so forth. And I wrote down all the things I wanted to do on those lists. And then I cut them in strips and let myself kind of every day was like a pick your own adventure, where I would pick a few pieces of paper, you know, of different colors. So I could feel like I got a bit of all of that, you know, I could check things off my list and kind of 
you know, get down that dreaded list of things I wanted to do. Um, I could, you know, study a couple of things that I was really interested in. I could talk to a friend and I tried to make sure every day just had a combination of different color pieces of paper. You're a genius. And those two weeks, (laughs) you know, that my only caveat is I've only done this once and it was the the best two weeks I've ever had. And I I would love to do it again. So I need to figure out when I can can fit that in. (laughs) I have two comments. I have two comments. One you're doing the TED Talk. We're going to make that happen. We're submitting yes. this podcast. Anyway, to there's something about like not having to make the decision, right? Like you made the decision to write the things down, but then you just randomly pick and you're like, that's the one. And you didn't have to like battle with yourself over what you wanted yeah. to do more or what was more convenient or anything like that. It was just like doing this. Um, you could also put it back, you know, let's say you didn't get to it, <laughs> put it back and pick it another day, right? That way it becomes like something that's fun but you actually accomplish the things you want to while having freedom and you know trying to trying to unwind right and it's up to you to figure out what you want on those lists anyway yeah amazing oh. okay we so set top tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> like we really do i'm so serious i don't think there's anything you know cool about what i'm saying so I'm everything flattered. is flattered that's what <laughs> no, cool people like, say it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all super good advice and yeah, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna do a TED talk um, if you want, for sure. <laughs> you're tell she, she tried to tell me she's never been on a podcast, and I believed her until now. Right? I love listening to you're podcasts, amazing. but the idea of being on one has been very terrifying. So you know, this has been very fun as a conversation. We really like having firsts on our podcast. It's it's like our thing. Like sometimes we're like, "What's this new thing that you're gonna come out with?" And they'll tell us or like announce a new show that somebody's going to be on or whatever it's just like really great so we're glad we're your first podcast um i know there's probably probably no way for you to answer this but what do you think your future holds in store for you career-wise or personally as far as you know do you want to continue to be uh, a tpm do you have uh career goals that you have in mind are you just going to kind of see what what happens um i think i've always been someone to kind of have really aspirational goals, but also recognize that the world is going to keep evolving in ways that I can't even predict, right? Like if you had asked me when I graduated from college, if I knew what a TPM was, I would have (laughs) definitely told you no idea. Um, And the world may not really have existed in full form, right? The way we know it today. So I think the most, my my personal priorities are, you know, to help uh, make sure that we're building products that prioritize customer safety, security, and privacy. That is the most important thing to me you know, whatever role that is, or whatever team that is, that doesn't really matter to me as much. Um, You know, I'd love to be able to just kind of continue to champion, um, making sure that customers like understand, and actually take action to protect themselves, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of what platform, what product, how old they are, where they live, how they identify all that kind of stuff. And then I, I guess alongside that, I would really love to continue to make sure that the teams and the companies I'm part of are just active supporters of organizations and, you know, conferences and things that support diversity within our industry. So I love being able to speak up for that, help identify opportunities, um, help make sure others are excited about and like know how to take advantage of these opportunities as as well. You know, personally, you know, now that I'm a mom, you know, making sure that like, I am able to create a world where my child feels like they're empowered to learn about whatever they want to, you know, to be a kind and happy and healthy person. I feel like even asking for that is a lot. Quite honestly, I feel like Jess has come on and really given me like a new surge of like energy and advice of what I need as an expectant foster parent and trying to balance that with 
all the things that I'm juggling. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for thank you. being, you know, willing to talk to me too. I feel like it's been really awesome to hear about all of our shared experiences and realize that there are so many ways that we can, I don't know, just be active participants in our, our little community, whether it's, you know, a three-way conversation or a team thing or something even smaller or bigger. Yeah. It's yeah. so nice. We typically do these on Fridays and it, it makes my whole weekend because, wow, I got to have such a good conversation with such an amazing individual yeah. and we had fun. I just appreciate you coming to talk to us. It's been really great learning more about you than I knew before. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If there's anything else that like pops up or whatever, feel free to let me know. And also if there's anything I can do to help both of you, you know, I think it's so awesome that you, you've created this podcast and if I can help find people or you know share it more broadly I would be happy to do that so yeah Thank we you. we have like a form somewhere <laughs> that that um if anybody wants to be on the show they can just submit their name and, and whatever through the form so I'll send that to you okay that uh, sounds great yeah and and yeah just like if you want to repost yours and I know oh, you have different <laughs> followers yes. you have or, or just the just the channel in general it doesn't have to be yours That'd be awesome. Let me just do it for fun. So yeah, that's so awesome. How did you get the idea to? Sorry, now I have a question for you. How nope. did you, how did yeah. the like you know creation of this podcast and this idea and kind of come to to being a thing? <laughs> Chantel, did I reach out to you and I was kind of like, you, yeah, you reached out to me and I was like, hell yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Wait, how did how did the two of you meet then? Oh, oh, well, first of all, Chantel's famous and she's on a commercial. I'd just like to point that out. Like every every one of these i'm not listen don't ever watch that commercial because i was not lined up we both, that week we both went to the same cybersecurity boot camp amazing uh, i'm gonna go find that commercial at different times <laughs> that's incredible like, you're famous she's on a, a commercial for the for the um the academy but um yeah we went at different times and then kind of just like heard of each other through like yeah different people in the academy and um events and things and they're like you know Chantel she was in this year's boot camp and Angel's in this year's and then eventually we just can we talk to each other instead of just I know, right <laughs> about yeah, each I, other because I heard about Angela from different people at Evolve as well so yeah <laughs> that's so amazing so it was funny. meant to be yeah, yeah exactly exactly and then we talked like once or twice and it our conversation went really well. We're both from Georgia. So we're like, girl, you're from Georgia? Yeah. Okay. Like nobody's from Georgia. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she's in Illinois and I'm in Seattle, obviously. So like we made our way across the country. But I was like, there's a need for LGBTQ plus podcast. And she was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then we talked to the people at ITSP that, that host this channel and they host many other channels. And they were like, well, what if we broaden it a little bit? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So it's turned into this whole diversity, inclusion, belonging, awesome podcast that I've really grown to love. So I'm glad we expanded the, the subject matter because it just opens it up to like talking to more cool people. That's amazing. Really badass people. Seriously. Like, it's been great. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah, amazing. that's pretty much it. We were both just kind of, let's do it. Um, having no idea what encompasses hosting a podcast we have microphones and computers and this will be fine and we know five people each it's great and then exactly. we're like whoa editing is a, whole a thing world. i see why people whoa. do it for a job and yeah it yeah. takes a lot of time but it's also really cool so yeah that's awesome i feel like getting to know 
you, Angela, like, you know, knowing one of the best things you can do is just advocate for one another, like spread the love among the community, like regardless <laughs> of anything, you know, that's the coolest thing. So I love yeah. that both of you are doing this. And thank you. Um, yeah, it's so neat. Well, thank you so much again. And thank you fun in the next few months, years doing all the mom things. Chantal, you too. That's amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not excited for a less sleep, but I am excited. I think the way I told my team was RIP restful sleep forever, you know, because, <laughs> because you just end up sleeping in like, you know, one and a half hour to like four hour fragments for a while. And it does get better. And everyone tells you it gets better, but it is just totally exhausting <laughs> for yeah. a little stretch. Yeah. I, I just babysitted my nephew this past weekend. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I, I looked at my <laughs> wife and was like, I don't know if we can do this. I <laughs> And you that was find out. which is easier than parenting all day, you know? Oh my God. Yes. So that's kind of one of those things too, where like having community, regardless of who they are, you know, always a good thing. So mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah. Making that I'm happen. A, I'm, a, sure. I'm a two, a two dog and cat mom. And um, luckily puppy phase is only like, you know, a year or so. So the the not sleeping only lasts for a little while which is it's really great but you know once we can go back in person if i can help either one of you i'm more than happy to because i love being aunt angela oh <laughs> right. you you can be aunt angela right now <laughs> exactly like i'm over here like okay we have this recorded i will buy a plane ticket for this child and fly them out to you so be ready <laughs> i went from having a hamster to a dog to a baby so I feel like that's like a good progression oh, in terms of responsibility but it really ramped up quick <laughs> I did I did <laughs> awesome well thank you so much Jess and yeah this is I, I can't wait to share this episode with the world because you have such great uh, an out such a great outlook on everything so thank you again have thank a you both day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Focal Point Podcast with Angela Marafino and Chantel Sims. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.